for listening to Hope Central's latest message. You can learn more about Hope Central or find more messages at hopecentral.org.au. around for a little while now here at Hope Central, especially this year, uh, one thing you may have noticed is that there's some themes that just keep coming through again and again and again. And sometimes you might miss it if you're not listening, but it just keeps coming through. And um, today I want to have a bit of a chat about that. The fact that God is so persevering with us and he's so patient with us, I think that's amazing. That he he's, he so wants to be involved with us, right? He, he's he's God. He can do anything, but he wants to be involved with us. But the fact that he keeps persevering with his messages over and over again, he's so patient with us. But we can make some some assumptions. We can make some fair conclusions about that. I think one of the conclusions we can make is that it's important to God that we hear what He's got to say. If he's got something he wants to say to us, then it's important to him. He wants us to be a part of what he's doing. He wants us to hear what he wants to say to us so that we can be prepared for everything he's got. Fair conclusion? Second conclusion. It's important to God that we are a part of what he wants to do into the future. He wants to share his word with us because he wants us to be prepared for what he wants to do. He's got his plans and his his purposes for the future, for our lives and for the lives of the whole world. But he doesn't want to do it on his own. God wants to include us. He wants to do it in us and through us. So I think that's that's a fair conclusion. Lastly, we're not real good at hearing. (laughs) he has to repeat himself and he persists with us out of love and grace because we have trouble hearing or maybe we have trouble listening. Now, today, we'll we'll kind of touch on all of those points, but I really want to major on just one of them. And as soon as I say that, there's a whole heap of people in this room going, please let it be number one or number two. Because we really like the warm, fuzzy stuff, don't we? So, because I love you and have grace towards you, we'll have a look at number three. (laughs) If we have trouble listening and hearing, then I think that leads us on to two questions. Why don't we hear? Why do we have trouble listening to God? What's going on there? And what can we do about it? That's the second question. I think maybe it's time for us to stop and ask questions like that. Sometimes questions are the best thing. I think Jesus focused more on questions than on answers, really. He left his disciples thinking, what? A lot of the time. And his focus was really on the seeking more than the, the finding. So I think the answer to those questions can be found in Scripture. 
And the scripture I want to focus in on a bit today is Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. And it says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Do we want to know what his will is? Then maybe we need to be a bit more silent in his presence. I remember several years ago, I was asked to share a message at two different churches within a couple of weeks of each other. Uh, one of them was a small country church. Actually, it was ironically, it was a CRC church. Um, the other church was the church that was my home church at the time. So that's, that's fine. I, it didn't bother me at all. And I thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go and we'll prepare. So the small country church was first. So I got myself ready and I you know, did, the, did the thing. I prayed and I sought God for what he wanted to say to this, this small church. And I got what I clearly felt was what God wanted to speak to that church about. And straight away, my, my brain went into action. And I just started writing. And this, this, this message just came straight out of me, onto the paper. But it was out of my mind, you see, out of my head, because of all that I'd learnt and all that I thought I knew. I ended up preaching that message and it went okay. There was nothing theologically wrong with it. And the people were okay with it, but it, it, there was no real excitement or anything about it. Um, it was just an okay message that went down okay. The second message, however, the one to my home church, well, that was a little bit different and that was the challenge for me and that's where God taught me a little bit about silence and being still before him. Because the minute I tried to work through preparing a message, everything went blank. Like, I just couldn't come up with anything. I knew what the theme was going to be. God had given me the theme, the, 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 the subject matter. But, he, but as soon as I tried to put that down on paper, it was like a brick wall. So someone suggested, why don't you go away? Just have some time alone. Just go away. So, so I booked a, um, a, a place over in the York Peninsula and took five days off to go away just to prepare this message. And I knew that the only way this was going to happen was to just spend time quiet and still before God. And I did that. The first day, nothing. The second day, not a whole lot. And it wasn't until day three, just spending time before God, just being silent and, uh, and just putting everything before him, all of a sudden it came and it just started to flow and it just went down onto the paper or onto the computer really easily. And it just felt right. Like just, it just knew that God was speaking it wasn't just me and my, my own understanding. The strange thing was, the topic for that message was around revival. 
And ordinarily, if you're preaching a revival message, you, you try and get it all whipped up and get a little bit excited. But part of the preparation was God, God made it very clear to me that I was actually to be very reserved and just keep it very low key, which didn't make sense in the natural to me. But I went along with it, of course. And I preached that message. And the response was amazing. Like the people that came up afterwards, full of excitement and just full of passion and just, were just loving it. It surprised me, I've got to say. But I knew what it was. It was God speaking through me. It wasn't just me speaking out of my own understanding, my own presumed knowledge. And it makes a difference. But it doesn't come unless we spend that time in silence before him. The alarm goes off. We jump out of bed. Or maybe we hit snooze a few times. Then we jump out of bed. We run to the, to the mobile device. We want to catch up on what we might have missed overnight. We start playing a video, you know, the latest Hope Central video, an In Deep or a Midweek Mini or maybe a Morning Devotion. We go, we make breakfast, we're watching videos, we're listening to things while we make breakfast. We get ourselves ready, we go to the shower, then our brain kicks in. And we start to get busy with our thoughts. We finish, we get ourselves and we're off to work. From the moment we rise, our days are filled with noise. We get to work. The minute we get there, our attention is taken. There's people want to tell us something, want to say something to us. There's jobs to be done, there's work to be done. We go through the day, we've got the computer in front of us or whatever. People to attend to. All the time, we're busy and there's noise, noise, noise. We drive home, and on the way home, it's the same as going to work. You know, we've got the radio on, we're listening to the news or to the sport, or, or listening to a podcast or whatever. If you're on public transport, you've got the earphones in, and you're plugged into your phone, and you're listening to, to whatever. If that's not enough, we've got posters, advertising, screaming at us, hey, buy me, buy me, your life's not going to be complete unless you have me. We put up with enough of that during the day on the computers, haven't we? All these pop-ups. Hey, you need this latest, greatest thing. Some inane thing that apparently is taking the world by storm. The latest, greatest toenail cleaner. Revolutionary. You need it. You know. There's just constant noise in our, in our lives. We get home, we take care of all the family stuff. And it's just busyness and noise and busyness and noise. And finally we get to bed. And it's just been one day. And then we get up and we do it all again. And we're on that treadmill. Our lives are filled with noise and busyness. And if we're honest, there's a part of us that actually likes that. Because it means we don't have to think about things. We just get on that treadmill and go. It can be frustrating, but sometimes it's, you know, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know.
that's all the outer noise. We've got all that stuff coming at us, filling our heads and our ears. But what about the inner noise? You know, the self-talk. There's a lot of noise that goes on just inside our heads. The things we, we tell ourselves. The conversations we have with ourselves. I wonder if I'd really like, I wonder if, and if that person were just, and constantly, all day, every day, our head is filled with noise, isn't it? Our own self-talk. It just doesn't stop. We don't know what it's like to actually experience real silence, do we? Or stillness. You know, we, we looked at that verse in Habakkuk. It comes at the end of chapter 2. And Habakkuk was around 600 BC. So he's around the same time as Jeremiah. And that's significant because within a couple of years, the Babylonians were going to take over. They were going to wipe the land clean. And that's what Habakkuk's writing is really about. Habakkuk's concern that his people, God's people, the people of Israel, were going to get completely wiped out. So he starts off in chapter 1, and he's basically saying, God, why would you do this? And in your, if you read it in your Bibles, you might see reference to the Chaldeans. That's actually the, what we know as the Babylonians, is more commonly. So chapter 1 is the, is the whole putting the case forward. Chapter 2 is the response... He's talking about how did the people, primarily the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they were seeking hope and betterment in life through all manner of um, evil and violence and selfishness. And at the end of it, God says, and what about your idols? You put your hope in these things made by human hands. You cover it in gold, you cover it in silver, but it's got no breath in it. The Lord's in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, we can read that as a, as a strong condemnation, an, an accusation almost, but I don't think that's what is meant. You know, God is a loving father and always has been. I think what he's saying is, if only you'd stop, if only you'd give me time, if only you would listen to me, you wouldn't be facing these problems. You wouldn't have this dilemma. You wouldn't be going around and around, getting yourself into all sorts of trouble. Sometimes we're a bit like the, the Babylonians and the Israelites. We think we know what's best. We think we know what's right or wrong, good or bad, true or false. And we're all convinced of it. Everybody. You go to any, any congregational meeting, any meeting of, of group of people anywhere, and just observe and listen. And what you'll find is that there's nothing but conversations. And in those conversations, everybody thinks they know what the truth is. Everybody thinks they know what's right or wrong. 
If that's not enough, spend half an hour on social media. My goodness. There's everything from the fanatical conspiracy theorists all the way to the ultra-conservative political correct and everything in between. You'll see it all there and every one of them is convinced that they know what the truth is. They all think they're right. They all think they know. But the reality, of course, is only God knows. We actually deceive ourselves. We need to trust God. And if we're going to trust God, the only way to trust him is to give him the space to be God in our lives. So where does that come from, this this human trait? To think that everything we know, everything we think, is the truth and that's it. Well, it comes from Genesis. We go right back to the garden, to the original deception, the original falling of man that we're all a part of. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But the serpent said to the woman... You will not surely die. God knows when you, eat of, when you eat of it, the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. There it is. The deception, of course, is we don't really know good and evil, we just think we do. And as a result, we live our lives as though we are God. We want to be in control. We want to be the ones that have the, the say. That's the deception. It's the deception that's got all of us. We've all bought into it. And that's the essence of sin. The problem is, it goes deep. And, it, and we can't avoid it. Jeremiah says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Not painting a very good picture, am I? But the point is, God is waiting for us to give ourselves to him so that he can take back control and lead us in the better things, in his will and his ways, for his glory and for our joy. Who remembers Mary and Martha? You know, Jesus and the disciples come to the house with Mary and Martha. Mary knows what's going on. and Instead of getting the house ready and getting a meal ready or whatever, she sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to what he's got to say. She understood. If Jesus has something to say, we need to listen, we need to hear it. Martha was focused on other things. Martha was focused on getting the house clean and doing all of that sort of stuff to make a good impression, to do the right thing. At the end of the day, Mary was focused on the things that are eternal. Martha was focused on the things that are temporal, of this world only. 
How often are we more like Martha than Mary when we should be more like Mary instead of Martha? First Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. So we see in a mirror. What do you see when you look in the mirror? You see yourself. So what's the scripture saying? It's saying we don't even see ourselves clearly. Even the way we see ourselves is obscured. Whenever I read this passage, it's funny, isn't it, how your mind can jump back to to, to something that happened ages ago. I read this scripture and my mind goes straight back to when I was doing an apprenticeship as a machinist, many years ago. Long, long ago, in a galaxy far away. No. And I remember part of my apprenticeship was to learn how to do arc welding. Now, if you've ever seen an arc welder's mask, you know that what you're looking through is very dark glass. You pretty much can't see through it at all in normal light. And that's because the brightness of the, of the light from the welding is so bright that if you didn't have it, it would blind you. It would give you some serious eye damage. When I read this scripture, I think of that. It's kind of like we don't see clearly unless God shines his light on everything. When you're welding, all you can see is the world. You can't see anything else around it. You only see where the light is. And that's how it is for us, I think. We can only see the truth as it really is when God shines his light on it because he knows it, not just in the here and now, but he knows it in the bigger plan, in eternity. God is merciful and gracious and he's worthy of our trust and our faith in him. Christ alone is our hope. Part of our brokenness and our our sinful nature is that we put our hope and trust in things other than him. Psalm 62.5 For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. While we put our hope in other things, in the things of this world, the whole time God's waiting for us to put our hope in him in all things, in all our lives. This is what being silent before him is about. It's about saying, hey God, I trust you to do the very best for me so that I can be the very best for you. So when we read that passage in Habakkuk, what kind of a picture does it paint for you well, how, how do you picture yourself the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth be silent before him I don't know about you but for me I'm left with this image of just standing and looking up at God on his throne and you can't do anything but just stand and wait to see what he does or to hear what he's got to say 
It's a position of humility, isn't it? And I think that's important. It's also can be quite frightening because we don't know what God's going to say or what he's going to do. And maybe it might challenge us. Maybe he's going to ask us to do something we don't want to do. That's a bit frightening, isn't it? Or maybe he's not going to say anything at all. Then what? We walk by faith, not by sight. It requires humility. Honest, courageous humility. It requires for us to place ourselves before him with all our brokenness, all our weaknesses and all our failures. And it'll be fine. God's not going to do anything to contemn us or put us down. He's waiting for us. We just need to go before him in stillness and silence. I believe we're in a time of change and challenge. So if you've been around Hope Central this year at all and you haven't noticed that, then I'm not sure what you've been doing because I think it's incredibly evident that we're in a time of change and challenge. And part of that is that we're at a crossroads. God brings us to a point. He leads us, he guides us individually and as a whole. He leads us and guides us to a point. And when, when God wants to do something special, when he wants to do something new, when he wants to forge a new path, and we've been talking about that all year, haven't we? He'll bring us to a point, which is, I believe, that's where we are now. We're at a point where God wants us to make a decision. He wants us to choose. Are we with him or aren't we? Do we want to go with him into the future? Are we willing to do what's necessary? Are we able to be still and silent before him to hear what he's got to say to find out what he wants to do so that we can be part of it. We're at the crossroads. The choice is ours. The heart of God is waiting for us to make that decision. We must make a decision. One way or another, we're going to make a decision, even if our decision is to not make a decision. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) See, this is something I'm really convicted of. This whole concept is something that's been ringing in my head for quite some time. But for some reason this year, it's as though... Now's the time. And it keeps coming through from up here. Different speakers, but every week we're touching on it in little ways, different ways. And there's been no collaboration, no conversations had. It just keeps coming through because God keeps persisting with us. God is patient with us. You know, earlier this year, I, I was still doubting whether it was me or God. But, but as 
different speakers got up, confirmation just kept coming and coming. I mean, I remember earlier this year, you may not remember it, I do, but Pastor Jody telling us about how she'd created a space in her home, a room where she can go and be silent and spend time with God. Then Pastor Ashley gets up, talks about how he had to go away, spend some time alone with God. And as soon as he stopped his thinking and gave God some room, bang, God was speaking to him. And this place has changed as a result. And they're not the only ones. I know other people in leadership in this place have had similar experiences. We are blessed to be led by people who are hearing the voice of God and obeying. But can we do likewise, the rest of us? My favourite chapter in the Bible is Psalm 51. A little bit strange, I know. But it's the psalm of repentance, a prayer of repentance really by David after he got caught out with Bathsheba. If you know the story, you know how terrible it really was. He had Bathsheba's husband killed. Like he had to have it done more than once because it failed the first time. The whole, whole sordid affair was terrible. It was disgraceful. And then when he got caught out because Nathan the prophet fronted him about it, he immediately repented. And Psalm 51 is that prayer. If we get to verse 17, he says, You will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You'll not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Now, that's an incredible, an incredible passage. Because you have to remember, this is 1000 BC. This is the time of the, the law of Moses. And he's saying sacrifices aren't what God wants. Hold on. They had hundreds of little laws in the, in the Mosaic law about the different sacrifices and offerings you had to make if you did something wrong. And now he's King David saying, no, that doesn't matter. What's going on? Well, what's happening is David knows the heart of God and he knows that underneath that father heart of God, he just wants us to do the right thing and he wants us to want to do the right thing. That's the point. He wants us to go before God. God wants us to go before him with humility. He wants us to go before him with our brokenness and with contrition. Psalm 46 says, Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. Other translations say, cease striving and know that I'm God. That's, that's telling us to stop trying hard to, to, to be what we think God wants us to be. Just, just walk in faith. 
Just trust him to lead us and he will. As we're silent before him, he'll guide us. The subtext, of course, is that unless we are still before him, he won't be God in our situations and circumstances. The Lord is in his holy temple. I don't know, but that, that gives a great sense of reverence and responsibility and a greater desire to do his bidding. But then, let us remember, we are his temple. If you're a Christian, you're the temple of God. The Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. God wants to speak in us, to us and through us to the world. The only thing stopping it is us. Jesus said that we should be like little children. Childlike, not childish. Just make that clear. Little children who love to do the Father's bidding. There's no greater joy for a child than to be asked by their parents to help with something important. Our God, our Father is asking us to help with something important. Can we be like children and have that joy, that, that joy of knowing that, that great, our great God wants to use us to reach the world? We've come to the crossroads. What decision are we going to make? Where do we stand? We can bring joy to God. And if we make the God decision not just a good decision, his joy will be ours if we have the courage of faith to be silent and be still before him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your heart is always before us. Lord, I just pray that right now you'll speak to us, Lord, that as we sit before you now in silence, that you'll speak to us, that you'll talk to us of your great plans and purposes. Father, give us the courage to make the decisions that you've placed before us. Help us, Lord, to know what it is that you want us to do so that we can be your temple, so that we can be a nation of prophets and priests, not just in in name, not just in theology and theory, but in actuality in the world. By your Holy Spirit, I pray, lead us now. Help us to be your people. For your glory, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.